Welcome into the next installment of the CFF Sites preseason preview series. My name is Joe DeSalvo, and I am joined once again by my partner, Mike. Mike, we're into the Mountain West Conference today. Uh, our West Coast swing, if you will. We're going to tackle the Mountain West Conference today before we get into the Pac-12. So we're going to head out West for uh, the next two episodes. As always, go team by team. You know, when, when I was looking through some of the notes before, uh, they've got some changes going on in the, in the Mountain West Conference, uh, up and down. So we're going to get into quite a bit on this show. Um, you know, a lot to talk about, a lot of turnover, particularly, you know, even schools at Utah State Conference Championship, you know, may, new look for the wide receiver core. So a lot to get into. Yeah. And the, except for the teams that we're going to start with here, because uh, I, I, it's tough to tough to come up with a, a lot of talking points with some of these teams. Well, I, you know, jokingly, you you had sent the note on me uh, to me the other day and said, uh, I can't wait to hear about your New Mexico take. So you we're... prepared something, didn't you? <laughs> so let's get into it, man, because, you know, that's probably going to be the one team we're going to run right through. Right. I mean, they had Miles Kendrick from Kansas at quarterback Porter, the receiver from Arizona State. Trace Bruckler, I think is his name, Buckler, probably the most relevant name maybe for fantasy purposes early on if you're in some huge league for for tight ends, right? But not much to talk about here with New Mexico, probably be in and out really quick. Yeah, 12 points a game last year, by far the the lowest in in all of FBS. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if it's the same again because you're trotting out Miles Kendrick at quarterback. Couldn't win the job at Kansas when Kansas under the previous staff. So uh, um, obviously not a, a ton to look at there. I thought running back was maybe a little interesting. You know, Nathaniel Jones is back on the roster. Um, was one of their highest rated recruits in all of program history. Uh, so he should start. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think anytime a, 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 a wide receiver uh, converts to tight end or is now listed as a tight end that always kind of gets my attention just because you know those types of athletic um, options at tight end typically are good you know if you're making the transition from receiver to tight end you're typically you know a pretty athletic option so Trace uh, Bruckler might get some interest there I don't think the system produces a ton of wider uh, uh, tight end production Obviously, you know, when you're averaging 12 points a game, there's not a ton of interest here. So I think Nathaniel Jones, Trace Bruckler, kind of the two, you know, outside shots at maybe fantasy relevancy. Yeah, like you said, this was the worst offense in all of FBS last year. And so ways to go. We're really not paying much attention here, but we're equal opportunists. So we've got to give them at least some airtime. But let's go over to UNLV where Charles Williams, the running back, is now gone. Uh, under Marcus Arroyo, he has a history of producing some thousand-yard rushers. There's a little bit of uncertainty right now. Um, you know, we've got a bevy of running backs right now that can start in that UNLV backfield. I know early on we were looking at Javon Wilson, the transfer. I think he came over from Oregon. Uh, we settled a little bit, uh, you know, with Chad Mayar, the 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 guy that's been in the program. But really, there are a number, a, a couple of other names to watch out for too. Courtney Reese, Sammy Green, the freshman you had mentioned in the conference write-up piece. You had sort of referenced all those names. Really nothing set in stone right now at that running back spot with that UNLV offense as we go into preseason camp. 
No, and that's typically the focus, as you mentioned, under Arroyo. A name, a name that I actually saw that wasn't that we didn't list in the guide that um, I saw elsewhere is Aiden Robbins, a, a Louisville transfer. Again, I didn't know this until a week or two ago that he's still there, or he transferred there during the the off season. So we got a number of names to look out for, and I don't think there's a, a pecking order at this point. Uh, I was doing some research earlier today on Arroyo, and I found an interesting stat. Over the last four years, his running back one uh, has produced 46% of the, the volume share over the last four years. That's seventh highest in the country um, at, at 48%. So typically, the running back one here is the guy to own, and we saw that obviously the, the last few years with Charles Williams. Um, and a guy like Chad Magyar uh, or even Aiden Robbins, they fit that size profile that that you're kind of looked for on, in an Arroyo offense, like plus pounds. So, um, you know, our focus is in the backfields uh, this offseason. Well, and I think, you know, to your point, though, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, Williams was was basically a three year starter, though. Right. And so the concern is whether or not they really have that guy that they're going to be leaning on. And UNLV, I'm not anticipating them to be uh, very good in that conference, maybe not the worst team in the conference, but you don't even expect them to be in the middle of the pack this year. So. Uh, the running back spot under Arroyo is where we have our eyes. They, they do have a couple of playmakers on the outside, but for fantasy purposes, you know, we're looking at that running back spot as the year progresses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they're trending towards the kind of middle of the pack potentially in the mountain West. I mean, Arroyo's recruiting pretty well, both, um, you know, in the portal and, 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 and true freshmen. So, you know, I think a good season is if they finish middle of the pack in the mountain West. One program they're definitely trending better than right now, I would like to say, would probably be Nevada, who took a huge hit when Jay Norville left town and took basically half of what seemingly was half of the talent on the roster to join him at Colorado State. Uh, There's not a lot there in regards to that passing game that still remains, Mike. Heavy turnover at Nevada. Uh, The running backs are back. That might be the strength of the offense this year with, with Toa Tawa in the backfield and Devonta Lee as well um, from that passing game though it's going to be a big difference from what we saw a year ago though right yeah it's a complete stay away in the passing game for me they don't have the weapons um, at receiver right now um, yeah it was weird that people were tabbing Nate Cox as the projected quarterback one there in my opinion for those that watch that bowl game uh, he was dreadful I know he didn't have his weapons but he was dreadful against Western Michigan in that bowl game. So I expect Shane Illingworth, the, the Oklahoma State transfer to start at quarterback now. Um, again, like I said, he doesn't have a ton of weapons there. They've all shipped out to Colorado State. I think the one where, I, I mean, you mentioned the running backs. Their offensive line I don't think is going to be that good this year. Um, tight ends is potentially a long shot here because their new offensive coordinator uh, comes over from UCLA. Uh, he was their uh, tight end position coach. And we know from UCLA, I know it's Chip Kelly's system, but, you know, um, they nobody produced better uh, tight end production in the country, really, than than UCLA in that system. So maybe a guy like, uh, I think his name is uh, Cooper Schultz, uh, Oregon transfer. Maybe that's somebody to look out for uh, um, on waivers. But, yeah, this is a, a year zero year for for Nevada. 
Well, whichever whichever way those three, pro, you know, the programs that we just mentioned, New Mexico, UNLV, Nevada, are trending uh, from a fantasy relevancy standpoint, probably the three teams that are more stay away than the ones that we're going to get into moving forward. We'll move right into Wyoming because much like where we were focused on the running back spot at UNLV, that's a position that you want to focus on over at Wyoming, whereas Xavier Valade left for Arizona State. Uh, Titus Fenn there, uh, we're assuming, is going to step right into that running back one role traditionally in that offense. And, and I know there might be some slight changes, but, you know, they like to feed their running back one up at Wyoming right now. They lost Isaiah Nair to Texas transfer, but he was an outlier in that offense. I mean, I think he had more touchdowns last year than maybe the whole receiving course had like in three years combined, right? So really, it, it's all about Wyoming and that running back one spot in that offense, right? Yeah, Titus Wen is an interesting case for for me and I think probably others this year in that you get around, if not more than 500 total team carries from Wyoming uh, almost every year. I know I know it's been the last three years. And you take Xavier Valade out of that equation. I think they're they're somewhat confident in their RB2, but he's not a proven commodity. So you take Valade out of the equation, and then you take Levi Williams out of the equation, um, who who obviously can can run the ball quite a bit. And where are these carries going? I know Andrew Peasley, the the projected starter now, can move a little bit, but he's not the runner that Levi Williams was. So um, where are the 500 carries going? I you could potentially see a 300 carry season from Titus Wen. I think yep. that that would be uh, you know that's the greatest possible outcome there right, right. probably not likely but I think 250 carries is well within range of, of the workload that Titus Wayne could could see this year yeah and I think certainly that's the ceiling and you know if if we're ready to move on and we talk about 500 carries as a team right it's hard to ignore Air Force where uh you know 500 carries for a season is probably their floor uh, but, but you know, an interesting conversation we can get into is Brad Roberts, who had a huge year last year. He carried the ball nearly 300 times in that Falcons backfield, which was unusually high for a Falcons running back. A little bit of regression this year for Roberts, you think, numbers-wise? Yeah, uh, that the, the amount of carries that he had last year was an extreme outlier. Uh, from what we see from from the fullbacks, bbacks, uh, what, whatever you want to call them uh, at Air Force, and it's it's not only an outlier, but I think you also kind of saw the depth that Air Force has in that backfield. Um, you know, heading into this year, DeAndre Hughes had a big game late in the year. Um, the backup fullback Emmanuel Michelle had a had a big game, so they've got options in that backfield where I don't think we're going to see close to 300 carries again from Brad Roberts. So not a guy that I'm really prioritizing. I think the Air Force offense could be the best that it's been in in years. Um, but yeah, Brad Roberts just doesn't excite me as, as much as he did last year. No, he doesn't. But you know, you could do worse, right? And from a consistency standpoint, you know, depending on the depth of your league, solid running back two, maybe flex option week to week, right? So you know, where we're we're expecting a little regression possibly in his numbers still. We're not trying to talk anybody off the ledge on Brad Roberts. Still a solid pick, college fantasy purposes, because we know that he's going to at least get fed the ball, you know, as, as long as he's in the lineup, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And then their offensive line, like the the production that they had last year, they were replacing all five starters. Not not unusual for the the academies, but they're replacing all five starters. And now they get three back this year. So I think the running game could be just as good, if not better. Now we're going to transition to a program that maybe isn't so much about the running game this year, but it's interesting, Mike, because we just mentioned Jay Norville when we were talking about Nevada kind of takes his, takes his bags, takes his players and, and, you know, some of his roster, even coaches as well over to Colorado state where he inherits at least a decent roster too. It's not like he's real. I mean, Dante Wright is still there. You know, they, they bring over Melquan Stovall, Tory Horton from Nevada, uh, Clay Millen at quarterback. There's a lot there that w- they can work with this year, but this was something you and I talked about. Are we going to be able to project the instant success at Colorado State and just think that that Nevada offense, from you know the points that they put up last year, is that going to be what they're what to expect from Colorado State? You and I both emphatically disagree with that, right? It's going to take a little time. It may not be the floor from when Norvell took over from his early days at Nevada, but um, I think it's going to be a little time before we see the Rams offense get cranking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because we, to an extent, made that same argument last year with Western Kentucky and, and look what happened. And it's not the same situation, but it's similar in the sense that they're bringing over, you know, multiple offensive linemen, multiple receivers, the quarterback. So they're bringing over via the portal a lot of guys that are familiar um, with this offensive system. So the transition, you would think, would be smoother than most. Um, But I wanted to, I look back at that first year that Norvell was at Nevada. And there, I mean, there is, you know, there's a noticeable difference, obviously, between the last year that he showed up. Um, they averaged top 50 in pace the last four year, four of the five years that that Norvell um, was at Nevada. They were 92nd that first year, so definitely slower that first season. Um, you know, they averaged, I think, a touchdown less points per game than they did in the final season. Again, to be expected, but just some differences between the, the last year at Nevada and his first year. So a transition, yes. Um, will it be as productive as it will next year? Not likely, but I think since they're, a lot of the core pieces are familiar with Norvell, that it could be a smoother transition than, than anticipated. Smoother transition, yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's going to predict that we're not going to – I mean, look, you've got to realize they lost some guys. He, he had NFL talent on that roster last year, and so that's what I'm looking at. And I'm not saying that that, talent, that roster is devoid of talent this year, Mike, but I just – I'm not ready to make that, hey, look what, look what happened with Western Kentucky last year. Um, I'm not ready to make that jump. I do think – in some of our drafts that we've had so far to date that some of the Colorado state players, maybe even clay Millen himself at quarterback. Um, I, I'm just, you know, for me, the value isn't there. I feel like they're just going a little too early for my liking where I like to, you know, for value from a value standpoint for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the same. It's I, I, I you know, I, I don't think I'm missing out on like a Western Kentucky or anything by, by not drafting them. I will say, the one guy that does intrigue me most from a like a redraft standpoint is probably Tory Horton. Uh, yes. Four out of the last five years, outside receiver under Norvell is typically wide receiver one. I, I don't know. People talk up Malcolm Stovall just because of kind of the spring game that he had, but 
Um, you know, he had one touchdown, I think, in his career at Nevada. Um, might be a solid PPR option, full point. Yeah. Um, but not a guy that I'm reaching out and grabbing just because of his spring. Well, I, I do think we could spend at least a couple of more minutes on Colorado State because you do have Dante Wright back, right? So there might be some people looking at Dante Wright, seeing what he's done over the last couple of years. There's some talent there. We, You and I are in agreement. We, we do like Horton a little bit better right now. Wright may be wide receiver three at best in that or offense four. right now, right? Yeah. And, and and there's some question about tight end too, because Norvell has been able to produce, particularly last year at the tight end spot. Right now we're at Tanner Arkin, but tight end, but but that that you know possibly could go a couple of different ways as well, too, right? Yeah, we don't know for I mean, it was one beat writer that posted a, a post-spring depth chart, and that's kind of where everybody's getting their opinions on Colorado State, right? Dante Wright, not even a starter. Tanner Arkin over uh, Gary Williams at tight end. Gary Williams, I don't think played, or at least it was limited in spring. So that's kind of why Arkin is listed as as the tight end one. But, you know, we, you know, we have Arkin projected as the tight end one. Who's to say it doesn't, there's not a split between the two and him and Gary Gary Williams. So um, guys, again, this is definitely a team that you want to pay attention to uh, this year and beyond. Well, another team in transition as well. So we're going to get right into them. Hawaii, where Timmy Chang takes over the program. Interesting. He brings in Ian Shoemaker from basic, from Eastern Washington, right? So you've got a hybrid offense here that we're looking at um, Hawaii, you know, installing this year. Uncertainty about quarterback right now. We know they brought in Cam and Cooper. Joey Yellen transferred over from Pitt. Braden Shager right now. Shager, Shager is probably our projected starter coming out of spring right now. You know, when you've got a, tr- a program like this in transition, you've got Dedrick Parson at running back, Zion Bowens, at probably the two known commodities in most college fantasy football drafts, at least for us up until right now. But there's still a lot to unpack with this Hawaii offense, probably throughout the summer and preseason camp too. We're going to find out a lot about them early on in the year, and it may not be until a couple of games into the year until we figure out a few more pieces of this puzzle. Yeah, uh, I, maybe a few more years. Um, like they're this is different than Colorado State to me in the sense that um, down the road we're going to want to invest in this offense, right? I mean, the the offensive coordinator previously of Eastern Washington, um, previously of Central Washington too, um, in the last five years, and and just from a. a, a, a fantasy point per game basis when talking about their quarterbacks um the offensive coordinator Ian Shoemaker would have produced top 20 quarterbacks from a fantasy point per game perspective in each of the last five seasons so this is a high-flying offensive attack it's just a matter of do they have the pieces to make it work this year I don't think they do at this point there I mean it's you know it's tough to tough to find a ton of information on Hawaii but um just from a roster talent standpoint I don't think they have that this year particularly at quarterback as you mentioned the two that were were really focused on is Dedrick Parsons and and Zion Bowens because Parson proven commodity to an extent eight rushing touchdowns last year he had a big game against New Mexico State with 161 rushing yards um and then Bowens a guy that's 
you know, I kind of tweeted about it. This is a guy that I've nabbed in almost every draft just because he keeps falling to me. Um, you know, I'm not reaching for it. It's just kind of value in, in my opinion. But it's interesting that people got hyped up over the spring game. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to butcher the name, but it is Tamatoa Adamalalala. <laughs> um, you know, he caught multiple touchdowns in the spring game, but you know, if you watch the highlights, if you if you watch the highlights from that game, I don't think he was working with the first team. And Bowen's caught a long touchdown from uh, Shager in the uh, in that in that game. So Bowen's was the one that was working with the first team. So that's kind of why I'm more focused on Bowen's here. And you know, if they're going to be a high volume passing attack, um, you're going to want at least one wide receiver in this offense. Yep, yep. that's a good point. Well, look, let's hop over to San Diego State where the passing game isn't much topic of conversation where it's the running game, but Greg Bell has moved on. You know, a lot of questions, a lot of talk between you and I, Chance Bell, Jordan Bird, Jalen Armstead, the bevy of running backs there, and then all of a sudden, just a few weeks ago, boom, we get the news that Keenan Kristen is transferring, former USC running back. He's now in the fold. Um maybe the most talented of the bunch, you would think he might have a chance to maybe slide into that running back one spot. But like you said, as we've done with a lot of these programs, we've still got preseason camp to go a long way to go before we really know for sure. But we do know that that running back one spot in that San Diego state offense is definitely, um, definitely a position you want under the microscope or, or at least on your watch list for college fantasy football purposes. Yeah, this is the second time in the last 12 years that uh, the Aztecs are uh, not returning a 1,000-yard rusher. So, obviously, this is a ground-and-pound attack. We want to invest in the running game. It's just a matter of who. Um, Keenan Christian, I, 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 we instituted him as the running back one immediately once he transferred there just because, you know, kind of read the tea leaves coming out of, of spring reports with San Diego State that just nobody asserted themselves uh, between those three options already on the roster um, as like a, a guy to that might take over that that job so we we put Christian as one for now yeah but I don't think it's settled I found an interesting stat actually on Chance Bell um, from Mount Westwire uh, let me I'll read it for you um, 33 carries of it or 33 runs uh, for Chance Bell of at least 10 yards or more in his career. That's 12.8% of his carries. That's more than Greg Bell had. And that's more than Juwan Washington had. So Chance Bell has been productive in his career. So I think I, we would agree that um, while we have Christian one, I think it's gonna, it's this is gonna be a spot to watch in the summer. And, and maybe Chance Bell assumes to that one role as well. Well, you know, it's it, you bring up an inter interesting point, an inter interesting stat on Chance Bell, but and and this is why the hesitation with him. Usually, when you've got the next guy, the next man up, it's pretty clear cut. Uh, the buzz and the noise coming out um, in and around camp and around the program, and that just hasn't been the case with San Diego State this off season. Yeah, hundred percent correct. I mean, they got a veteran in Chance Bell who's been with the program, and then they have um, Jalen Armstead, a sophomore. So, uh, you know, you got the depth there, 
yet they're bringing in somebody else in that backfield. So again, you just, a lot of our research, I feel like is reading the tea yeah. leaves. And that's one of those that just kind of points to Christian taking over that. Now, time. one thing could help a little bit, Braxton Burmeister coming in at quarterback. You feel like it's an upgrade for them at quarterback. Any interest on Burmeister late in drafts, deep leagues from a fantasy perspective? No. Of course, the only time a, a San Diego State quarterback had any success last year was when I bet they're under in a prop. So um, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm staying away. I don't, I, Braxton Burmeister, uh, tempting from a running standpoint, right? Yep. Really good athlete, but yep. uh, he doesn't bring anything to the table. Probably a name we'll get into as the season progresses with DFS, not so much for season long. Absolutely. Now let's scoot over to San Jose State, Mike, where Elijah Cooks and Justin Lockhart both transfer from Nevada land at San Jose State, where the offense has sort of been rebuilt. They bring in Shevin Cordero at quarterback. So two new weapons and a new quarterback at San Jose State. Those really are the three top names on our list right now in the preseason. You know, they've got, was it, uh, is it Kyrie Robinson uh, coming back at running back? But for me, the eyes are more on the passing game and what could be this year on a new look Spartans offense. Yeah, we don't have any interest in in Kyrie Robinson or the, or that backfield for the most part. They haven't had a guy finish in the top 100 of fantasy yep. running backs in the last four to five seasons. So not a ton of interest there. It's with the passing game. And, and I wouldn't call this an air raid offense, but uh, I think they're 16th over the last three years in, in passing volume. So they chuck it uh, quite a bit. And, you know, we kind of projected this season when, when compiling our projections uh, to 2019, when it was, yep. it was like Josh Love and, and, and Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither, just, we see similarities with this, with the, the, the pieces that they brought in from the transfer portal. So um, I'm excited to watch this, this passing offense with Cordero and, and Lockhart and um, Elijah Cook spending, he stay healthy. So um, yeah, that's our focus there. Well, 2018, they had two 700-yard receivers. In 2019, they had an 1,100-yard, 800-yard receiver. So we're seeing, you know, not that they're going to get to those numbers, but we can see them trending a little bit closer to those numbers than they were last year where Derek Deese, the tight end, finished the year as their leading receiver, right? Yeah. Um, and and coincidentally, you bring up the tight end. When I wanted to mention one of my sleepers. I think I texted you this back in – like February, uh, um, I'm in on Sam Olson uh, as as a tight end one. Not saying he's going to um, uh, put up numbers similar to, to Derek Deese, but you know he had a 70 yard uh, touchdown reception week one last year before he got injured against Southern Utah. And you just he's six four, a lot of speed. He was pulling away from some defenders, and and the defensive back really who was chasing him down didn't really gain a ton of ground there. So. Uh, he's a guy that we project to have a, a pretty good season. Yep. Now let's go over to Fresno State where they get Jake Hayner and Jalen Cropper back. That's great for the passing game. Jordan Mims comes in, takes over at running back. I don't think they're losing much at running back, even though they, you know, Ronnie Rivers has moved on. Mims was proven just as effective, if not more effective, when, uh, you know, when he played in that, Rivers' absence uh, when he was hurt and, and, and in the final game last year expectations from the Fresno State offense this year, given the coach and change, are we going to see maybe a little bit of a slower pace this year, Mike? Uh, I don't think so, because we 
because of his retaining a, a, a Kirby Moore, I believe his name is at, at offensive coordinator, um, who who was the the passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator under uh, Kalen DeBoer last year. So um, I would assume that Tedford kind of just wants to keep the the wheel turning because yep. um, there's really not a ton to fix with Fresno State at this point. Um, so I, again, I, I think it's kind of just you know kind of similar story to last year, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, the one thing with, with, you know, to try to keep continuity the best as possible, you've got to realize, I think there had to be some things said in order to keep guys like Hayner and Cropper, you know, have Hayner come back another year. I, I, I think there had to be some talking to say, hey, look, we're not going to change much. We're going to try to keep things as much as possible. But what's interesting is that with that being said, I find that those guys actually are going lower in drafts this year than they were a season ago. Were we just too high on them last year? Or are we undervaluing them a little bit this year? Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think, and it's something that we talk about a lot, is that they're seniors. The, right people don't get excited to draft these guys no regardless of how productive they are and I think that speaks to the point of you know we always talk about later in drafts we want to draft upside right you know what you're going to get from Jordan Mims you know what you're going to get from from Jake Hayner I'm a little higher I think than most on, on Jalen Cropper I think the move to outside receiver that uh, he made in the spring I think that'll help his his ADOT uh, and his yards per catch average. But again, these guys have been around. You just know what to expect. You're not going to get, I don't think these guys are going to be, you know, running back one, quarterback one. That's just not how Fresno State operates. So I think that's why you're seeing them potentially fall in drafts a little bit. Now let's go over to Utah State where, um, you know, the Aggies took Mountain West Conference by storm last year, won the conference title. Logan Bonner back at quarterback for Blake Anderson. But there's some turnover at receiver, a lot of turnover, right? They lose Devin Tompkins, who basically caught 650 balls last year, right? So they get Justin McGriff back, who was one of their top four receivers last year. But there's some turnover, and there's some names, right? You've got Brian Cobbs, the transfer that came in from Maryland. You've got Nine-Eye Davis, who we were reading his name all throughout spring practice. You still have Xavier Williams there, the transfer from Alabama, who really has yet to do anything on the field. But we know he's got at least some you know, talent behind his name and potential, right? So uh, there's still a little bit to to be learned about this Utah State offense, but those are sort of the names that we're talking about, in, you know, leading up to the 2022 season right now that we need to see how some things shake out because this Utah State offense has potential to produce three at least decent options in the passing game at receiver, right? Yeah, two is... Two relevant receivers is safe. And as we saw last year, I think you could have three, right, with 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 Bowling and, and Devin Topkins and uh, Derek Wright yeah. uh, was the third option. So maybe we see that this year, right? I don't, you know, we don't know yet. Could they're typically under Blake Anderson, you're like last four years, uh, the wide receiver one has gotten 100 targets, right? Maybe they're dispersed a little bit between the top three, top four this year, if they like their depth. Um, the point that I wanted to get across with Utah State is I have been, while we still have Brian Cobbs as the projected wide receiver one, 
I've been draft. I'm baiting him and drafting Justin McGriff instead, right? Because we don't know for sure who that guy is going to be at this point. And I just got Justin McGriff 10 rounds later than Brian Cobbs. So I think Justin McGriff is the value at this point. I would not be reaching him for Brian Cobbs. Despite our projection, I would not be reaching for Brian Cobbs in the fifth or sixth round because of there's that there's that uncertainty there. Yeah, you what you you know if you're drafting Cobbs, you're drafting upside, trying to get closer to those Devin Topkins numbers a number from you know from numbers from last year. Whether or not McGriff can get there, probably not. But you're looking at a receiver that was one of their top four last year, probably going to be safely within the top three, maybe two receivers this year. So from a value standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you're not expecting the world, but I'm going to give you a hard time about this one because it seems like you've adopted my approach and said it's a different year because last year you were telling me I'm not touching Justin McGriff. The dude cannot catch a cold. He's terrible. I, I was <laughs> did you, not, did you, I'm not did you, go, did you go my route and just say, listen, that was last year. This is a new year. No, I, I'll explain my reason. Like I, I watched him and I don't get overly excited. I thought he was kind of, I don't know, long strider. Like he's not, I don't know. I just, I didn't get, get too excited, you know, pumped up watching him, but like, am I a pro scout? No. So you gotta, you gotta kind of put that aside and be like, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know football as well as, as football coaches or anything like that. So, um, you know, I'm again, going with the tea leaves. Um, I, I think, you're made a, a good point that Brian Cobbs and Justin McGriff are probably solid top two to three in this, in this passing offense. So I don't think you're necessarily drafting a complete bust when you draft a Brian Cobbs or, or McGriff. I just, I like the value at this point, yeah. getting them in the, in the late teens versus top six rounds. And you may not be a scout or anything, but, um, but my boy, our boy, uh, Eric Froton loved, I remember last year when he was talking about Chris Olave's smooth hips, and I just wanted to know what that translated to for college fantasy football purposes. So, I mean, got, got to, got to yeah, give him a shout. You can talk to him about that later this summer. So look, man, we got one program left in the Mountain West Conference, Boise State Broncos, um, you know, quarterback come back, uh, Hank Backmeyer returns, right? The offensive coordinator returns. George Helaney, the running back this year, hopefully returns healthy. He missed the beginning of last year, was banged up, finished strong, went over 103 of the last four, caught nine passes over the last four games, too. Um, Stefan Cobb's probably taken over that role for Khalil Shakir in that wide receiver one spot. Where are we looking at Broncos, Mike, this year, 2022? Can we expect a little bit more from George Helaney? Because the concern last year, well, even when he was healthy and went over 103 of the last four, he still only had one touchdown last year. And Andrew Van Buren led Boise State with nine touchdowns. And that, that's my only concern with him this year is, are they going to try to find another goal line back or will Helaney do it all this year? Well, we know who you like based on that that intro of Boise State, and and your your eyes lit up when talking about George Helani there. Yeah, I mean, I I like George Helani. I just took him in the latest best ball draft. I took him last year too. Um, you know, what, like I said, he went over a hundred three of the last four last year. If he's healthy, and and here's the other thing too, we talked about this in the spring too there's not a lot of proven depth behind him this year now, right? There's, you know, that backfield isn't as deep as it was 
a year ago. So I do like if he's healthy, there's an opportunity to maybe have a big season. And it is Boise State, and it's going to be one of the better programs in the conference. Yeah, I, I'm glad you at least had proven there because Asin Genty is, right. is, I think we he's one of my favorite prospects coming yeah. into your G5 prospects um, who, who could end up, you know, starting at some point just because George Lani has been injury prone the yeah. last few years. So, um, yeah, I, I th- thought you saw the late surge from Halani because of how the offensive line started to play a little bit better um, second half of the season. Uh, they get three starters back, added a Washington State transfer. So um, I, I, I think you can see a solid season out of out of Halani, but pending he stay healthy. I do like the backup in Genty, the, the incoming yep. freshman coming in. Um, clear path to a starting role next year, uh, most likely. And, you know, just looking back at Tim Plow, the offensive coordinator, and his, his utilization of, of running backs um, at UC Davis, and his last, his previous starter um, at UC Davis, um, God, what was his name, Alonzo Gilliam or something like that, uh, he had 45 receptions on 60-ish targets, now, Ashton Genty, I know I'm getting straying away from Holani, but um, Genty was a running back slash receiver uh, down in Texas when he played high school football. So he is an exceptional pass catcher coming out of yeah. the backfield as well. Um, so that's a guy that I will be targeting in dynasty drafts um, for, for next year, right? Um, and, and, and a guy, if Holani gets injured like he has the last two years, that's, that's somebody you might look for on the waivers as well. Well, it kind of brings our conversation a little bit. It, it allows us to fill in the gaps a little bit. If we can just go back to the conversation we just had just a bit ago about San Diego State, right? And like, we don't really know. There's no, even though Chance Bell has, has done some things with the carries that he's gotten, there's nothing out there that suggests here's the next guy in line, right? Mm-hmm. You've been a fan of Genty for a while. You told me about him early in the spring to keep eyes on him. And it feels... If Halani does well, stays healthy, he's going to have a solid year. But Genty seems to be that next guy in line where we could be, this could be smooth transition next year. We're talking about him just as much as we're talking about Halani this year. And we're going to have a little bit more of a crystal clear, uh, you know, it's going to be in our crystal ball that it seems like, hey, you know, the torch has been passed and the baton, you know, is going to Genty from Halani. Yeah, and he'll he'll get some work. I mean, you you mentioned the guys that have the 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 those vultures that they had last yep. year with Van Buren and um oh boy the other guys escaping me Hideki but, uh, um uh, wait for Boise State last year yeah I, I don't know yeah. either way either way I think you'll Genty's ready right now to play at 200 pounds so um yeah I mean it's it's a solid one two I think there and and those guys should get the bulk of the carries um Stephon Cobbs is I wanted to hit on him before we yeah absolutely before we close out um he his adp has crept up into that like fourth fifth round range and i was surprised that it didn't start there earlier in the year because where was khalil shakir ranked last year because we got so excited with him in this tim plow offense yeah um i oof, we might have had him top five five yeah correctly last year but um, so he's a guy that's kind of creeping up and or has crept up in my rankings just because who's the wide receiver too? Yeah. You know, Carl Caples may be the favorite, but they, those guys were in and out during the spring. 
Um, so, I mean, I think a hundred targets barring Cobb stays healthy is a near lock at this point. So he's a guy I've been hitting on in like the fourth, uh, fifth round. Well, the other thing too, a lot of the drafts that, that we've been doing, there's been a, a lot of punting on quarterbacks late in our best ball drafts and running back receivers go early. You're looking at a receiver right now that I've gotten a 17 spot. You got 15. So there, you know, those guys, considering the way that our drafts are unfolding are going pretty early and and by the time fall gets to your preseason camp we may see him creep a little bit closer into our top 12 we'll see how the news comes out maybe even closer to top 10 yeah this is it i mean when everything's clicking this is an offensive system that can't average 40 passing attempts per game so well the, mike this is going to do it for our first leg on our west coast swing that's going to take care of the mountain west conference man we got the Pac-12 up. We've got a few of these left to go. We're kind of down the uh, down the stretch. We've got the Pac-12, Independence, SEC, Sun Belt. Only a few to go. We'll probably get these done sometime within the next week or so. We've got the best ball draft that we're doing, our third industry best ball draft hosted by the CFF site. Those results will be going in the preseason fantasy draft guide. You and I are working on some other pieces that we're going to be going into the guide. We'll have some more details on that in maybe the next show as things get a little bit more clear on on more of a date in which we're going to get things publishing. So stay tuned for that. But all the content's up on the site. That preseason fantasy draft guide, I think, Mike, is like 85-plus pages now. By the time we're done with it, by the 4th of July, that thing may be over 100 pages long. Just an unreal preseason fantasy resource to get you ready for your college fantasy football season. And if you are just a college football fan in general, it's just nice to get some eyes on some college football information, particularly on the offensive side. And it's a great resource. So more to come, Mike. That's going to do it for the Mountain West. My name's Joe DeSalvo with the CFF site for Mike Bainbridge. We'll see you guys next time.